We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me, at Mike Dugar. That is M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. For us watching, uh, it's on the screen. So if you didn't catch all that, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. All right, we got a special guest with us on the podcast. Not even going to do a long introduction this time. We have free safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Quandre Diggs on the line. Quandre, what up, man? Hey, nothing, bro. Just chilling, you know, trying to get, trying to keep grinding, get this work in, come back, ready to go. We go okay. back to a lot. We, we see the, the, the screen name uh, for our for our YouTube uh, audience says Nino6, man. Is that is that official, man? You going from 37 to 6 this year, switching jersey numbers? Yeah, man, it's official. You know what I mean? So everybody get ready to go get them six jerseys and be ready <laughs> You know, Steve makes some plays in six like I used to do back in college. Well, what's the uh, what's the reasoning behind six? Why does that number mean something to you? Um, I mean, six is, I mean, as you guys know, everybody pretty much knows. But my older brother, uh, Quinn Jammer, um, he wore. So I've always kind of honored him in every level of football I played, from little league to middle school to high school to college. And then... Now in the league, just the first time I'll be able to honor him also. But, I mean, before they did the number change deal, what they were saying, I was going to switch to 23 to really honor him for his career in San Diego. So I was going to wear a 23. And then when they did the number change, I hit him up. I'm like, yo, you know I've honored you, blah, blah. What number do you think would be better, six or 23? He was like, bro, I think that six would be clean. be clean. So I was like, forget it. Let's do six. All right, I like it. It does look clean. Not the 37 didn't, but yeah, six is just, yeah, six, six kind of going hard. Uh, this is something I wanted to ask you about because I feel like I'm the only person to pick up on it that, like, you cool with everybody on the team, even before they get on the team. Like, you already tight with Tyler Lockett. We talked about that last time we had you on the pod. You tight with Jamal Adams. You tight with Snacks. Oh, he's not on the team no more, but was. Uh, are you tight with Kerry Hyder too from playing with him in Detroit? Yeah, no doubt. That's my dog. So is this like a requirement to get on the Seahawks? They got to be cool with you already, man. Just how'd you end up tight with, you know, half the team before they even show up? Well, what's crazy with Kerry. So Kerry and my best friend from high school, they both played at Texas Tech. So 
when I would go visit my best friend in Ludwig, I would always see Carrie and they were all, they were real close. So they were hanging around. So I knew Carrie, I knew B-Jack. B-Jack was roommates with my best friend in college. So like I knew B-Jack. So I knew all of them guys already. And then Carrie happens to be from the Austin area, which I live in Austin. So I would see him around and do things like that. But I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm just a cool dude, bro. Like I, I show love to everybody. I don't hate on anybody. On Twitter, you know what I mean? I, I just keep it real. So I guess people, you know, that, I mean, I guess people understand me and they understand, like, I just like to have fun, joke around, and, um, you know, I'm all about ball. When any of these guys were on their way to the Seahawks or considering whether it be Jamal or Carey or, or Snacks, did they reach out to you um, and ask, you know, how, how it is up in Seattle? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I think that's just, that's around the league, you know, you know what I mean? Um when Jamal got traded here, I probably was the first person he called. He kind of told me, let me know what was going on. Um, snapped. I mean, it took me some convincing to get him from the house. <laughs> and then K High hit me up and just kind of asked, you know, what Seattle was about. I told him, like, I mean, it's the, the best place in the NFL if, you know, you want to play for a long time, you want to enjoy the game, you want to win football games. And, I mean, for me personally, I I feel like Seattle fans are super spoiled. First of all, I say that because I've been somewhere where we lose and lose and you just lose. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I see a lot of complaining on Twitter from Seahawks fans. I'm just like, yo, like you guys have won 10 to 11 games down there every year, go to the playoffs every year. You know what I mean? Be grateful because, you know, I've been places where shit. We might win nine games one year. We might win five. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh? What's uh? When when these guys are asking you, like, what specifically is attractive about the Seahawks fans or the organization, just from a player standpoint? Like, what what makes it so nice for players here? I mean, first of all, the fans are the best in the league by far. You know, what I mean, when I got traded here, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. You know, what I mean, because I'm coming to another team. I don't know if these guys know me, you know what I mean? And the fans just show so much love and the 12 is passionate as heck. <clears throat> but you get there and then you got Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete's in my mind and he's a legendary Hall of Fame coach just because of what you see is what you get from him. You know what I mean? He's always gonna have that energy. He's always gonna walk around with that spunk, that, that old man confidence, you know what I mean? And um, that's who he is every day. You know what I mean? The way he runs it, it's almost like college. You know what I mean? So um, you get in the building, it's just like family. You know what I mean? They they welcome you in. I mean, you're shooting basketball. I mean, you're freaking hitting golf clubs. You're doing all type of stuff inside the building. And it's just like you don't do that everywhere. But the ice on the cake is you win it. I mean, I don't go into a week. And I, I think I might have told y'all this last year. I don't go into a week where I'm like, I don't expect to win. I expect to win every week just because of like that's what it's that's what Seattle's known for. It's known to win. It's known to always be competitive. It's known to go to the playoffs. It's known, you know what I mean, they won championships. So like what more could you ask for from an NFL player? They let you have fun, they let you be you, win games, and to top it all, you got the best fans in the league and the best stadium. So I mean it's a win, win, win. 
It sounds like a Seahawks commercial right there. It's like, put that on the billboard. <laughs> it's like, I got to get, get people out here. And low-key, people don't, if they're not like familiar with Seattle, it's beautiful, too. Beautiful. Like, that's the other, it's like low-key beautiful. Like, you wouldn't think about it because everybody outside here think it just rained all the time. But you get here, it's like, yo, it's nice. Nice, yeah. Well, bro, when I first got there, when I got traded, I got traded, I'm like, I'm going to go to Seattle. It's going to be raining all the time. <laughs> and I get there, the facility is on the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I can look out my meeting room and see the water. I go out to the practice field. It's on the water. What? And then it's, it's the sunshine. It's only like 72, 73. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I can practice hard and not even sweat. I hear it. It's, it's how good it feels. But the weather is nice until about November, December. And then yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, other than that, I, I love it, bro. I, I love it. Um. Last time we had you on the pod, I think it was like the week before Jamal got traded. Um, but we were actually talking to you about the you know, play-by-play of when you got traded and how that kind of went down. So Jamal kind of name-dropped you in his intro, intro press conference after he got traded. But like, how did the Jamal trade go down from your point of view? Because it sounded like you were right there like with him when he was figuring everything out. So he called me when it was done. So it was already basically, it was done. Um they had already announced the trade, but like as soon as they announced it, boom, I'm driving, I'm driving to go drop off a package at like FedEx and stuff. And I look, I'm like, bro, what he, I mean, don't get it twisted. Me and him, when he was in New York, we still used to talk a couple of times a month, three or four times a month, something like that. So we always would talk. So it wasn't like a surprise he was calling. I'm just like, what he called about? And he hit me, he's just like, hey bro, uh, when you going back to Seattle? I'm like, shit, Monday. Like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I see you there. I'm like, what you mean you gonna see me there? Cause I'm driving, so I can't get on Twitter and like see, you know what I mean? That he got traded, and he like, shoot, they just traded for me, bro. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. And it was tough for me because don't get me wrong, like me and Jamal are super close, but me and B Max super close too, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like one of my dogs leaving, one of my dogs come in. So like it's almost like you can't be too excited, 
but you got to be excited because you're getting a hell of a player. I'm getting literally a dude that's like a brother to me. And it's been like that since, you know, what? Since I was like 20 years old, 21 years old. So, like, you're excited about that, but you're sad that your brother leaving. But it was just one of them things. He called. We hyped. B-Mac called me right after that. Hmm. was like, bro, they just traded me. I'm like, I'm like, so they put, so I'm thinking like, damn, he had to be in the package. You know what I mean? I didn't know that he was in that package at first. And, uh, you know, I kind of wished him good luck there. And me and B-Mac still talk. We play the game and stuff all the time. But it was kind of like, all right, lock in now. You know what I mean? The pressure going to be on us. You know what I mean? They, people going to expect us to be one of the best duo, duos in the league. And we got to go make it happen. But we also knew, like, Yo, like, this is what we always dreamed of. Like, I remember when he was in New York, and then before I signed my extension with Detroit, he was like, bro, you might – I was still playing nickel, too, you know what I mean? So he was like, bro, you might need to come link up with us out here in, in New York. He's like, bro, we can finally be teammates like we were supposed to if I don't went to Texas. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good, blah, blah. Then I did my extension, so he was like, dang, it'll be a while before we can link up. And, I mean, it ended up happening. Uh, uh, did you host Jamal on his visit to Texas? Is that how you guys uh, met and know each other? Yeah, so I met, me and Jamal met and was around each other on his one of his unofficial visits to Texas. So him, Coach Mack, which is his DB coach, Clay Mack, um, we all, we went to lunch and, I mean, we was vibing. Of course, I'm trying to get him to Texas. And I, I wanted a safety, bro. He, they say he's the best safety in the country. I'm like, shit, get him to come here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't got to worry about nothing, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I end up, we chilling, we exchange numbers, and we would always text. He would ask me questions about stuff. And then on his official, they was like, hey, we're going to link you with Jamal for his official. I'm like, easy. Like, we always still talk. So it was Jamal, Tony Brown. So I had both of them guys, both of these guys, five-star recruits. They gave them both to me. So I'm sitting there. First of all, I'm in college, bro. I live in a Skyrise. I live in the Skyrise downtown Austin. Courtesy of my brother. No, it wasn't no boosters. Courtesy <laughs> of my brother. But like Jamal and Tony, they come in my apartment. They're like, bro, like this how you living out here? Like my whole living room is glass and you looking at downtown. You can walk the sixth street, all that. So like I'm showing these boys what it is, like how I go, take them out and like after that weekend, it's crazy because my mom was there on the official. And to this day, my mom, every time I talk to my mom or like when she come up and she's like, how's Jamal doing? Like all the time. <laughs> that was her dog on the official. She's like, he crazy. Like he crazy. But uh, I met his mom, met his dad, and I'm still cool with his mom and dad today. But it's just like, of course, he ain't commit to Texas, but he left because Mac Brown left, Dwayne Aquino left. So it was like all the coaches that I was cool with, they gone. So like, ain't no need for me to go there. So he went to LSU. He made the best choice for him. I mean, it worked out. Uh, as far as uh, COVID uh, last year, you know, being a big deal in terms of NFL season, we know how it affect, uh, impacted like the on-field product. Like we saw no fans, right? That was kind of weird. How did COVID maybe impact stuff behind the scenes, whether in preparation or just, you know, building chemistry with new teammates? Like, did it have any impact there? I mean, yeah, because I mean, I'm, I mean, we would always go to Shaq's house on like Tuesdays and go watch film, eat, 
just hang out as DBs, get to know each other, watch film, and just, you know what I mean? Like, go over certain stuff. But then they start telling us, like, hey, y'all can't do that because if one of y'all get COVID and all of y'all over there, you're going to knock out the whole DB room. So the DBs was never really to get, we never really could get together. You know what I mean? We couldn't get together as a group. I mean, our meeting room that we had, our DB meeting room, which is upstairs around the lake, we could never get the whole DB group in there because it's like, oh, that's too many people in one room and you can't watch film together. So we all couldn't watch film together like that and watch, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. early in the season, we thinking it's all smooth because we just doing the work that we had to, but like, we wasn't really learning each other from like what somebody else like was versus what somebody else likes. And, uh, Shaq likes to press on this and Dunbar likes to play off. Maul likes to play off right here. Um, you got to get him this switch call. You got to get him this. So like our game reps, our reps that we needed really would come in the game. And then you throw in injuries. So I get kicked out of week two. Maul get injured in week three. Uh, Dunbar get injured in like week two. Then Shaq get injured like week six. And I'm the only one that's playing every game. So like I'm playing every game and I got a different corner here, different corner here, different nickel here, different safety here. So it's just like a bunch of different moving pieces. But when you had those big, the whole DB group settings where you can go over stuff, everybody hears the same thing. So every corner hears what I like to do here. Every nickel hears what call I would make. Every safety knows that, like, hey, I'm going to be in the post right here. You do this. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that affected a lot of stuff. But, I mean, it's not excuses. I mean, as you guys see, we turned it around at the end of the season. But that was just for more meeting time and more understanding of what's good, what's not good, and things like that. When we had you on last year, you talked about the opportunity to spread your wings and be yourself pretty much because you got traded mid-season. I want to say it was late October when you landed in Seattle. And we had you on that July last year. Now that you had a full year under your belt, did you get to spread your wings and be Diggs, be the guy that plays the way he wants free? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I think that's a credit to my teammates, but that's a credit to my coaches also because they understand me. They understand me. You know what I mean? They understand that I'm smart. Uh, I can process a lot of different things. So I might not be in the right spot that you want me to be at the beginning of the play, but I'm going to get there and I'm going to get it done. You know what I mean? So you tell me something once, I'm going to remember it. Um, I can get a lot of guys lined up, but I also can get guys lined up, get in my spot and make a play. You know what I mean? So I see a lot of people always say, like, oh, he got a lot of tips and overthrows off in the session. Well, I mean, you got to be in the right spot to get the tips and overthrows. So if you don't know what's going on, you can't go get those tips and overthrows. And, you know what I mean? You're not around the ball because – if they threw that shit on the left side and you over there on the right side, you ain't you ain't fast enough to get a tip overthrow because you ain't in the right spot. So, I mean, I think it's just like me learning concepts, learning offenses, learning who they go to guys is, where I need to put myself to make these plays. And uh, I just think the casual fan sees it as, oh, that's a bad throw by the quarterback. He should make that play. Like, how the hell am I supposed to know the quarterback going over there if I ain't film <laughs> study or I don't know the game? You know what I mean? Um, I think this defense just allows me to be free and kind of roam and run the alleys and go run hash to hash. Basically, bro, I'm out there just running full speed all day in game. That's right up my alley where I ain't got no responsibility for the run <laughs> all day and go hit people. No, I feel you on that. You mentioned the defense. 
you were on the defense when it wasn't really good, and then you were on the defense when it got really talented. You guys got some acquired a few players. Can you talk about that and the growth of this defense, and what can we expect in 2021 from you and the defense? I mean, 2020 was – I mean, the defense was like night and day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The beginning of the season, I would say the first game of the season, people didn't understand that like, yeah, Matt Ryan might have threw for 400 yards, but we kicked they ass though. Like, it was like a 400-yard in garbage time passing yards. So that kind of started us off on the wrong foot anyway. People were like, well, they still gave him 400 yards. But it's like, all right, we gave him 400 yards, but we was beating the brakes off of them, and they had to throw it, and we were in like a prevent defense, and we would, we had like four turnovers or something. You know what I mean? So um, I think the first game was actually solid. We had some things we needed to fix, but as far as like the first eight games or seven games, it was bad, bro. It was just like everybody hitting me up like, bro, why are y'all numbers so bad? Like y'all are hella talented. But it was more of like we just didn't get that time together. I mean, we didn't know each other as well as we thought we did. And, you know what I mean, then you add in a guy like Dunlap. Uh, you you get Jay Reed really going. You know what I mean? Jay Reed really gets going. You got freaking Jamal getting healthy. And then Shaq is coming back. And then DJ Reed makes his appearance. Ugo is learning on the fly. You know what I mean? And then you have KJ who's more – he's on the ball linebacker. So he was really learning what he had to do. So it was a lot of moving parts, you know what I mean? And we were forcing teams to throw the ball with a lot of people don't realize. Like, for a while, we was like top three run defense in the league. I mean, granted, nobody was really trying to run it because they were throwing that shit all over the field. <laughs> but when we ran the ball, we stopped. So they had to throw the ball, which is what we had wanted them to do. But we just weren't making the plays that we should have made. And um, that's all of us. I mean, I think – what we expected in 2021 is more what we did the last eight, nine games of the year. It's like really settle in and make people run, the, make people throw the ball. But like we making those plays on the balls and we're going to go get interception. We're making the big hits. You know what I mean? We keeping guys under 230 yards passing the game and things like that. So um, I just think the pass rush, uh, linebackers, DBs, we all just mesh that all together like we did the last eight games, and you can see where we go um, if we do that. But, I mean, you see these guys, they've been stacking our D-line. and um, You heard Pete before the draft, he said he don't think we've done stacking the D-line. So, I mean, let's go get some more dogs and let them boys rush the pass and stop the run. You had five interceptions last year, led the team. Are we going to see more of that this year, or some is a cornerback like DJ Reed or Akella Witherspoon going to top you this year? I don't know. I mean, Let's see. Let it all take out. You know what I mean? I ain't going to hear to call no numbers. I mean, I know last year my goal was six. And I told mm-hmm. him that in training camp. I was like, my goal is six picks. That's how many I want to get. Um, so I'm going to try to make it happen. So I fell short. So hopefully I go get six this year. And, you know what I mean? 14 in three years, that ain't bad. No, that's not bad at all. But I do want to talk about the unfortunate loss in the wild card to the Los Angeles Rams. At home, there was no fans COVID, we all understand. What can we expect on that first matchup against a team that was barking, talking all this smack, oh, we'll see you on Cabo and all this other stuff. What can we expect in that first matchup when you go against these Los Angeles Rams? I mean, 
it's just going to be football, really. You know what I mean? Those guys talk, you know, we talk after we won the division. So, like, I mean, those guys had the right to say what they wanted to say. So that's what they said. But, I mean, I remember everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> football, I mean, I got a lot of respect for all those guys. Those guys know me. Um, Stafford, he knows what he's getting himself into coming over here. And, um you know what I mean? It's going to be a good, fun rivalry. It's dope that, you know what I mean, one of my favorite people is going to be their starting quarterback. So um, it'll be a good rivalry. I mean, it'll be a good matchup between me and him. I think that'll be dope. And, um, those guys are always going to be good. McVay's a freaking awesome coach. And, um, Peter's an awesome coach. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a battle-tested. You know I mean, you guys know what the NFC West is. I mean, it's the best division in football. and um, I think everybody knows that. I want to pivot to uh, to college football real quick. You're sitting in a UT chair, you're a UT alum. I want to talk about the eyes of Texas. Uh, quick, the school song that's been in the news for at least the better part of a year. Uh, for our Seahawks listeners who don't haven't been following the story down there, I'll give a quick little summation. Um, the student athletes down there want the school to stop playing uh, the song uh, because it originated at a minstrel show where performers likely wore blackface. Um, the alumni of Texas have been very adamant that not only must the song be played, uh, but like they like emailed stuff like threatening the students, you know, threatening like, hey, you won't get a job in the state of Texas if you guys aren't down with this, threatening to pull donations. Just overall, just denigrating the student athletes for taking this stance. The school investigated the song's origins, uh, determined that it's, quote, not overtly racist. And they made participation in this, uh, the song optional for the student athletes um, and the band members must play it or basically join a separate band uh, that they've created. And the differing opinions over the song have sparked protests by the student tour guides there. And it also led to an unknown man crashing a student led Zoom call uh, with a mask and a gun uh, recently. I think this happened like last week. Um, so with all that said, I know you've been uh, following a little bit uh, as, as an alum. It's kind of what are your overall thoughts on just the song itself, the behavior of the alumni um, and the stance of the student athletes kind of not wanting the song to be a part of the school anymore? I mean, of course, I'm a big student athletes. You know what I mean? I know what those guys are going through. I've been in their shoes. This is, the topic has been around a long time. I mean, even before I was in college, it was something that was brought to brought to head. I mean, at that point, I just think we weren't using our voices the way we should have, but it's a different time and age. And you guys see with everything going around the country, uh, we are stepping up to be more, uh, more outspoken, more public figures of speaking and saying the things that we feel. Um, I do think it's BS that those former alumni that uh, send those emails and threaten the kids like, oh, you would never get a job in Texas, blah, blah. And I know multiple kids that they told that to, and it's just like, come on, bro, you ain't got that much pull in the state of Texas. Like, you cool and all, like, but you ain't got that pull where this guy never get a job in Texas. And um, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, it's getting national news, you know what I mean? I think people need to see um, that the politics of the University of Texas. I mean, I love the university with, with everything I have, but I mean, when I got there, I really started learning the politics of a place like that. Um, I mean, the cash cow, uh, you know what I mean? I just seen today, like, it's the most profitable, profitable uh, football team or athletic deal in the country. But I mean, that's off the back of those players. That ain't got nothing to do with those alumni that's out there doing the trash talking and saying, you got to play this song and this and that. Uh, I think the players and 
the student athletes deserve more credit. You know what I mean? Uh, you're not paying those guys, but you're trying to tell them what to do. And you try to tell them, hey, this was here before you was here. You don't have any business telling us what, you know what I mean? Like if the if the song has any type of racist undertones then um, in this day and age, you should feel that and you should understand that. But I mean, come on, we are in Texas now. So let's not act like, you know what I mean? We somewhere where uh, racism isn't, isn't here. I mean, it's here every day. I mean, you can go outside and see it right now if you really wanted to, but um, let's not let's let's not play crazy. Like we didn't think something like this would happen, but I mean, I think the politics of it of saying like these kids gotta play this song, the people in the band gotta play this song. Like, I don't think that's right. I mean, the song doesn't make the university. If if you get what I'm saying, you know what I mean. The university is great even without the song. So, I mean, if, it, if it's that big of a deal, let the song go or, you know, I mean, find a different way to, to, to do a song. I mean, it's easy to go make a song, go make a song, throw your hook em up and it is what it is. But I mean, you know, where we at, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, I feel like a lot of uh, black kids when they go to a predominantly white school, they have that experience that you're kind of hinting at. Like you get there and you don't know a ton and you start learning about the business of things and how stuff works. And it's really eye opening. What was really maybe most eye opening for you uh, when you first were filling things out and learning more about the business of college athletics while you're at Texas? Well, the crazy thing is when I got here, I mean, we got 50,000 students, but I think we had like 2000 black students. Whew. But the crazy thing is, the black students sometimes look at us like we ain't one of them. Like they look at us like you an athlete. They don't treat you like just like hold on, bro. Like at the end of the day, I'm black now. Like don't get it twisted. You know what I mean? So like we kind of had to make those inroads where it's like okay, like hey, like we understand what you guys going through. Like we with you. We in these black trying to learn these black these African American culture classes and trying to learn about our heritage and things like that too. So like. Don't fault us because we didn't get here through academics. We got here through football, you know what I mean? So don't fault us and we won't fault you guys. But I mean, that was one of the craziest things that I that I experienced at Texas, which is like it was like two thousand black students or something like that, with fifty thousand students on campus. And I mean, all the black students really know each other because I mean there's so little of us, so we have to stick together. I want to pivot back to, uh, I guess, a non-NFL topic as well, is this basketball game between the media and the Seahawks players that you guys are running from. I'm just going to throw that out there now. Like, I think Bobby's scared. I think you scared. I think DK's scared. I just think that's kind of how <laughs> it's getting down. Um, so, I mean, am I, am I wrong there? Are you guys not running from the from the smoke? Like, what's, what's going on? Because it's the offseason. We can make it happen. No. I seen you shoot. And I seen you. You take all day to shoot. You're not a shooter, bro. You're not gonna have that much time. Like you, you talking to world class athletes that's gonna close out on you and that's gonna play defense. Like that set shot ain't gonna cut it, bro. So, I mean, you might as well put that put that up and um, just know you don't want y'all don't want the problems, bro. Uh, we we we're ready, and that's that's a set shot. See, Chris, we could spend a whole show on, uh, on this. I just want you guys to know, like, I don't know who's like the captain of y'all team. I've taken over the mantle as the captain of the media team. The captain, no, we are ready. Like, I'm ready. Chris is ready. Joe Fan at NBC uh, Sports is ready. Like, we got to recruit some more because Ben left to go uh, cover the Titans. But we're we're ready. So let Bobby know. DK, who else will be on your team? I don't know if we talked about this last time. He does, bro. Like, it don't matter. Like, this is a topic that you're wasting time on because <laughs> it's terrible when we look. 
letting you guys beat us in basketball. Come on. <laughs> it's not football. It's basketball. None of you guys are world-class basketball players, from, from my understanding. Some of y'all same height as us. World-class athletes that you guys are not. So our athleticism is superior to you guys' athleticism. So you guys won't beat us because what y'all going to do? You're not who going to stop Bobby? Like who going to – he get in the post. Which one of you little fellas going to stop him? Like, they said DK. They was like, oh, it's like, oh, DK, he, he running track, blah, blah. He's still world-class at what he do. He got out there running 10-3. So who's going to guard him in the post? He's going to dunk on you. Bro. <laughs> I'm like, you getting dunked on, Chris? I'll be the voice of reason. We might not beat you, but we will score. That's no, we're going to win, Chris. We talk, we, we're trash-talking right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> I hope y'all will score. Well, no. you did bring up DK. What was your initial thoughts of DK in the 100-meter dash? He put on a show, 10-3-6. What was your initial thought? Considering you ran track, we talked about that last year. You was on the four by one, and you guys were smoking out there in Texas, leaving everybody in the dust. So, what were your thoughts on DK competing in the hundred meter dash? He's different. Like I said, he's different. He's a different cat. And I told people, I argued with people that he was going to run ten five or lower. Like I just know the guy, so I see him. I see how he works. I see how he competes. I ain't expect nothing less. Like that's my dog. No, I feel that, man. But before we get you out of here, we do got to get you with this last question. It's real simple. Who do you think, player-wise, that we should have on this podcast next? And whoever you say, you got to help get that guy. So who is it? Y'all had Jamal already? Nah, not yet, man. We're trying to get Maul on, so help us out, Q. Y'all get Jamal on here, and y'all really see his personality. I really want y'all just to know him so people can just understand him every day. Bet. Okay, we're going to take that challenge, man. We got to get Jamal on. So Is that we, who DJ Reed said, too? That's he who said, DJ Reed said, Jamal. Said so that's two votes for Jamal. So we got to get... <laughs> tell him, I'm texting him right now. I'll tell him. Hey, hey, man. We'll we, take it. We appreciate that, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Again, sponsored by uh, Powered by The Athletic. My name is Mike Dugard. That's Christopher Kidd. Shout out to our special guest, Quandre Diggs, free safety of the Seattle Seahawks. We'll be wearing number six in 2021. Number 37, switching it to six. Our only, it's the only player we've had multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Back uh, to back. There we go. That's a new landmark, man. We appreciate you, man. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us, brother. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all having all right, y'all. And on that note, we'll catch y'all next time. We are out. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.